This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, that was enough of a sermon, hey? <laughs> Let me carry on. I was reading about Jesus who prayed through the night. Matthew 4 verse 13 When Jesus heard about John, John the Baptist was his cousin and his cousin was beheaded. So I assume that Jesus just needed some time to work through this since he was fully human as well as fully God. When Jesus heard about John, he left there privately in a boat and went to a secluded place. But when the crowds heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. So Jesus was trying Desperately wanting to be alone with his father, but the crowds were following him, and indeed he did accommodate the crowds. He did the miracle of the fish and the bread, and 5,000 people were fed. And then after that, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Mark 1 verse 35 Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke 9 verse 18. Now it happened that as Jesus was praying privately, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? I'm sure we understand what I am trying to Sayer, <laughs> we look at the life of Jesus and we see that Jesus often had to go and be alone with his father. He had to go into that prayer closet alone, no one with him, and he had to spend time with his father. There was no way that Jesus could do his ministry on earth without spending a lot of private time with his father in heaven. So here is my question this evening. If Jesus could not do it, how can we, <laughs> how can we think that we can live a godly life, a powerful life, an influential life, if we do not spend private time with the Father? And yet we don't, do we? Not always. <laughs> Now Jesus is on the mountain and he's teaching the people and he's teaching them about prayer. And he says to them, when you pray, do not be like the Pharisees who wants everybody to see them. But go into your most private room. Shut the door where your father sees in secret and pray and find me there. This is the heart of prayer. Obviously, there is corporate prayer. Obviously, we need to go to intercession. And when we are here, we need to pray together. But if we want to live lives that actually glorify God, we cannot live without 
applying this in our lives. And when we look at the Greek word there for pray, it refers to a couple of things. But what I want to highlight is uh, the scripture says, but when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And one of the meanings of that word prayer is entreaty. And it refers to an earnest or humble request, a plea, an appeal, a cry from the heart. It refers to an intimate place with God where we seek his face, where we plead with him, where we wrestle with him, where we talk things through with him, just me and God. And that is the place. When the word says, the Bible says, when we see him, we shall be like him. Do you know about that scripture? That scripture refers to one day when we see him and we will be like him. But I want to say that is applicable now already because when we see him, we will become like him and we will not become like him if we cannot see him. And where do we learn to see God? I'm not speaking about physical eyes. I'm speaking about spiritual eyes. We learn to see him. When we spend that kind of time with him, and there we learn to become like him. Because God is yearning for us. God is longing for us. And I look at the persecuted church, and we all know, if we know a little bit, then we know that the church, the persecuted church is growing. Do you know that? They grow. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, there's no logic to that. These people are being tortured, they are being killed, but yet they have people added to their church daily. And here we are in our culture, in our Western culture, (laughs) and there's no killing and no torture, and the church is growing so slowly. And I'm asking, why God, why is this? And I believe it is because here are people who are desperately seeking the face of God. It is their first priority. So we come together like this evening and this is glorious. This is good. This is necessary. But allow me to say this this evening. Young people, mostly young people and a couple of older people. (laughs) Allow me to say this, this gathering and small group gathering and going on missions and whatever we are doing together and whatever we are doing for God, it is not a substitute. It is not a substitute for spending private, intimate time with God. And we should not think that I can come to church every Sunday and that I can go to small group and I can know God. Because God is much greater. (laughs) And God is yearning 
and longing for every individual. And when we look at the Old Testament, God was speaking to Israel through the prophets. And God speaks to Isaiah, and, and, and let me read the scripture. I'm just going to jump a scripture there. God says in Isaiah 2 verse 19, And I will betroth you, Israel, to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and loyalty and in compassion. God is longing for Israel, but Israel is not longing for God. And God says, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. How would you like to do that, guys? (laughs) I want you to marry a prostitute. I want you to know what I feel like. Because I am longing for my people. But my people are not longing for me. And this was the Old Testament. And then the New Testament came and it's a new dispensation. And the veil was torn. And now God does not need to primarily speak to us through the prophets. Because he speaks to us as individuals. But he did not change. His desire to be with us. And to have intimacy with us. And to speak to us. Did not change. And this is the desire of his heart. And God says, I have so much that I want to reveal to you. I have so much that I want to show you. My church, my people. But I cannot if you don't give me the time. I cannot if you don't turn your eyes and turn your heart to me. And God is not into instant things. I know this generation is very much (laughs) into instant. But let me say this this evening. God is not. Let me read another scripture. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gain divine approval, but without Without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. I became born again in Shofar Church in, well, I became born again in Stellenbosch and I joined the Shofar Church a month later in 1995. And I have learned since then in my journey with God that faith is not chanting. (laughs) 
You know, sometimes, and, and we must speak life, I know that, but sometimes we think, I must just have faith. God, I believe you will provide the money. God, I believe you will provide the money. God, I, 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 you know, and, 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 and we, we are trying to convince ourselves. But there is a different way. There is a different way. I have a husband and five children, and there are some older people here who will relate to that. And I know most of you, your lives are very different, but this is my life, and I have learned there are two ways. There's the one way of doing my life, and that is to make a little list. I've done this, been there, done that. You know, maybe you did it yourself. Priorities. I would, I would put the heading there, priorities. Then I would put number one, God. Number two, Anton. Number three, children. Number four, church. And then I say, okay, I am going to live my life like this. Doesn't work. There is a different way. There is a, there is a way. <laughs> and this is to earnestly and diligently enter the presence of God. And I don't need to make lists. Because in the presence of God, I change. And we do change in church. And we do have experiences in small group. And we do need all of this. But this is not primarily where God wants to deal with our hearts. Because Jesus constantly had to go to the Father and cry out to the Father and wrestle with the Father. And so do we have to do the same thing. And what happens with us, what happens to us when we spend time in the presence of God? Our vision changes. The way that we see and the way that we perceive and the way that we speak changes. And we become so, we, we become deeply acquainted with the Spirit of God. And when we, when we do something that quenches Him, or when we do something that is not pleasing to God, then immediately the conviction is there. Because we know Him. When I look at my husband through the eyes of God, I know how to pray for him. When I look at my children, when I, when I come from that place, and you can apply this to your life, where I engage with God, He changes the way that I think and the way that I act. And, and let me say this. There are things that God wants to reveal to us personally. As individuals, we are all extremely different. And when we come to church, what we hear at church, what we experience at church, that is just confirmation of what God already told us in the secret place. And here is my question. The, if this is the most important thing, if this was the most important thing to Jesus, why is it not the most important thing to us? And people, 
in our culture, and, 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 and I'm not just referring to, to Shofa Church in Stellenbosch, I'm referring to the church generally, in our culture and in the Western church, you know, we easily speak about revival. But can God trust us with revival? Can God trust the people who would rather give their time to Netflix, Showmax, DSTV, series after series, sports and social events, rather than spending time with Him? I am just asking. <laughs> and if you take a pen and a paper or you take your phone and you go to notes and you type in how much time and I'm, am I spending on Netflix, Showmax, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and all those things, cycling, whatever it is that we do and how much time am I spending with God, just, just be very honest and make sure whether God will be able to trust you. Because God is not a fool. <laughs> and God is not going to reveal his mysteries and his secrets and his precious things with the people who prefer other things and other gods above him. He is not going to do that. We look at Jeremiah. You know, we love that scripture at the beginning of Jeremiah where God says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. We love to quote that scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. How God says to Jeremiah and how he calls him. But go and read it. Jeremiah had a very hard life. <laughs> he had a very tough call. And we see, if you go and read it, I know it's difficult to read, but we go and read it. Jeremiah says, God, I don't want to do this anymore. He was not allowed to get married. He was rejected. He was physically tortured. He says, I don't want to. It's too hard. But God, there's a fire burning in my heart and I cannot but follow you. Because I know you, you have revealed to me your heart and I can never, ever walk away from that. We look at the book Song of Solomon and we see the bridegroom, the, the, the bride says to the bridegroom, take me into your chambers. Let us go to the most private room. Song of Solomon, Wichlid in Afrikaans. It's a, it's a picture of Jesus, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride. It's a picture. It's a comparison. It's a powerful book in the Word of God. And this is, this is what, 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 what God, <laughs> you know, I, let me read Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things. Things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. There are things that God wants to show you and me. And he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you about your own life. He wants to speak to you about your family. 
He wants to speak to you about your future. He wants to speak to you about this church, about this country, about your call, your purpose, your destiny. But he will not and he cannot if you and I do not give him the time. And it takes time. Because God says, I want you to pursue me. I'm not just going to reveal myself in the five minutes that you give me every morning. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. I worship you. Amen. It's not good enough. I'm sorry, guys. It's not good enough. I know God is faithful. I know God helps us through. I know we can still experience a measure of God. But let me say, it's not enough. If we really want to know him. If we do not really want to know him, that's fine. (laughs) If you don't really desire to know God, it's fine. But if we desire to know him, he will reveal himself to those who earnestly and diligently seek him. And he says, you can enter my throne room, my chambers, the most private room. You can enter boldly because I died for you. I died for these sins that you did. You can come boldly. I will embrace you and I will fill you and I will meet with you. I had an extraordinary weekend two, three weekends ago. My, it was the long weekend. It was Women's Day. My family went away for the weekend and I could not join them because I was preaching yeah, in this church. And I committed before the invitation was there for us to go. And I said, why don't you guys go and I will stay behind. <laughs> and my husband and the five children left and it was me and God for three days. And it was extraordinary. And on Thursday evening, Thursday, the whole afternoon, the whole evening, I was worshiping God. I was reading the word. I was praying the whole of Friday. By Friday evening, I said, God, I am longing for you, but I don't feel you. I don't experience you. I'm crying out to you, but where are you? And eventually I went to bed and Saturday morning when I woke up and I put the worship music on, God came. I know he was already there, (laughs) but he came. We had this old lady in one of our churches, a church in Poch. I'm almost done. And she had a bit of Alzheimer's or something. So she kept on telling the same story over and over again. And her favorite story was that they were in a church and at the end of the meeting, something happened and the pastor was standing next to her and the pastor said to her, what's going on? And she said, God came. (laughs) And I, I heard this story over and over again because God comes, but it takes time and God will reveal his heart to those who will make the time to seek him and to know him and to worship him. 
And there is time. We do have the time because it is the most important thing. And here's the thing, and I'm ending. There is a reward. There is a reward for those who diligently and earnestly seek God. And there are different rewards, but I can honestly say, just experiencing him in the inner most private room on its own is a good enough reward. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. The liberty, the love, the revelation of his love. There's a song, an old hymn. Some people, some people will know the song. It says, I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses and the noise I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share while we're walking there, none other has ever known. The person who's singing the song says, there is a joy that I experience that no other person knows because that is the, that is the experience. And, and, and I can honestly stand here this evening and I, I can tell you I've experienced intimacy with a husband for almost 20 years. And I've experienced childbirth, which is an extraordinary experience, five times. And I've experienced just speaking to people like this, which is an extraordinary privilege, many, many, many times. But nothing compares. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to knowing God. And to experience God. There is nothing like it. And I promise you. <laughs> we should be careful to make promises from the pulpit. But God has things that he wants to reveal to us. If we will only give him the time. And not wait until persecution comes. God says don't wait until persecution comes. To wake up and make me your first priority. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. In the name of Jesus. Because he is longing for us. Read the Old Testament. Read the prophets. Read them, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Zephaniah. Read how God is emotional, how he speaks even in sexual language to his people. He says, I want you, I want you, I want you. If only you want me. We have the band to come, please. I did this in 35 minutes, right? We are going to just have a short time of ministry before we baptize those amazing privileged people who is going to get baptized. <laughs> and I want to ask us to just close our eyes. If we, perhaps if we can stand, those who feel 
comfortable to stand. I have a request this evening. I was, um, when I was 21 years old and very lost and very confused, I vis- I attended a church. I vi- actually visited the church, the, the, the Ingeer Student Church. I don't know what the name is these days. The, that's it. Kreiskerk. I was in Kreiskerk and, and there was a man called Floyd McClung from YWAM. And he was preaching. And then afterwards, he said, those of you who want to give your life to God, come to the front now. And I have no idea to this day, I have no idea what happened. But the next thing that I knew, I was there. And my life was changed upside down. Everything changed for me. So this is what I want to say. And I don't have to say much because the Holy Spirit does the work. Otherwise, nothing would happen. If you are here and you have not done this, I want to tell you, there is a life for you that you cannot even imagine. A hard life, a tough life. But an adventure with God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.